You know, the scripture talks about the importance of preaching. And I love 1 Corinthians 1 where it says that through the foolishness of preaching, God chooses to save. And that's an amazing thing. We get the opportunity to come up here on the platform and preach the word of God. Uh, the word preach, uh, early church, a beautiful word, kerygmatos in the Greek language. And it means to proclaim, means to herald, it means to speak the truth with boldness. And so week after week, we get the privilege of doing that here on this platform. And I was thinking as we came into Advent this year, this would be a very special series perhaps to do uh, kind of a different way of preaching. Uh, preaching isn't always having to be someone standing behind a pulpit or behind a stand and speaking the word. Uh, sometimes it can be more conversational. And so we thought it would be interesting. I thought it would be interesting if during this series of Advent this year, uh, that Danny and I could share this together, that you and I could share this together. So Danny and I and a few others were talking about this, and we kind of like the idea of having a conversation around the theme of Advent. Uh, this year we've chosen uh, a beautiful section of Scripture. It's uh, Isaiah chapter 9, and uh, it's verse 6 specifically where the prophet Isaiah says that, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And I thought it would be great if we could just look at those titles of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and each week have a conversation about those, those titles. Now, just so you know that we're serious about preaching, uh, I went <laughs> and prepared the message. And I do this because I want all the people in our uh, teams to know kind of where we're going in the future. So the message has been prepared. And right on your Three Crosses app, you can actually download the entire message. These are my sermon notes. And they're not always exactly what I say, but they're sort of the, the content of what is preached. And so you can go home and study that content, but we're going to have a conversation about it. Danny, um, I'm so glad that you're here on the platform today. Thanks for inviting me. This is, there's five weeks left for me being the senior pastor at our church. And, and this is going to be a fun little time and a little bit of an experiment. Every, every sermon is going to be different today. Yeah, you guys can come to all three services and watch a train wreck in three different ways. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably true. So, so you, you've read the sermon manuscript. It's, I, one of the, I was uh, walking in this morning and showing someone the sermon manuscript, and they were scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. They said, this is a lot. I said, Larry writes one of these every single week, and I'm about to have to do that, too. So, <laughs> I think he wanted to give us a little like, look behind the curtain of, yeah. look, at, look at all that I have to do every week. Look at this <laughs> yeah. gigantic manuscript. But it is great. You can your devotions this week you can jump on the app i think it's on the website too and you can read through the whole sermon kind of hear larry's voice even as it's kind of written in a, a speaking style and read through the whole thing and hear about this idea of of wonderful counselor yeah cool so, so you, you yeah no you could, well, i don't know how we're going to do this yeah so <laughs> so you read the sermon manuscript what where's a good place to start this conversation i love the the beginning where you kind of talked about the the suppressing of Christmas yeah. in a culture. I think a lot of times we hear about, you know, people get really angry. They talk about the like, uh, how people are taking Christ out of Christmas, all that. But I didn't feel like you were going the angry vibe. I think you it yeah. felt like you were trying to draw out this idea that a lot of times it's easy for the meaning of the season to kind of get suppressed. I'm wondering why you, why did you choose the word suppressed? What, yeah. What's in your thoughts there? Yeah, well, it, it is really true. I think it's kind of an unwitting suppression that happens, you know, because as you look around, you know, you start seeing the ornaments of Christmas going up, right? I mean, right here, you know, we've got trees and lights and kind of reminds us, some of us this weekend, we've been pulling out our Christmas stuff at our house. We did that too yesterday. That's always a day where 
I tend to lose my sanctification. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, where's the lights? I thought we had the, I thought you had the, you know, like that kind of thing. And so, you know, we, we go through that. But I think unwittingly in our culture, we kind of get so uh, uh, numb to what the season's really about. I mean, this is about Jesus. This is about God sending His Son to this planet. And, and so there's this unwitting thing that happens in our culture. I, I, I hop on, uh, and this is a great resource for you too, uh, Biola uh, University has a thing called uh, the Center for Christianity, Culture, and the Arts. And they put together an Advent devotional that goes every day through Advent. Today's the first day of Advent. And uh, yesterday, as an intro to it, this gal named uh, Stacy Schmidt, she kind of previewed the Advent. And by the way, we do that here, I think. I, we do it most every year. I haven't seen it yet today. But uh, you can hop on our page, too, and you can get a daily, I think... <laughs> I'm hoping our, our music and arts people are not going to cringe right now when They're I say this. They're writing content furiously right <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. Right now. But, but that's been a beautiful thing. Anyway, Stacy said yesterday as I was watching this, she said, you know, what happens a lot of times is that pe when people fall in love with Christmas and not Christ, it's they've fallen in love with a shadow of something that's real. And I thought about that that's what's happened in our culture. People are actually in love with a shadow of what's real, but they don't know what's real. I've seen that happen like, you know, in public places while I'm going through the mall or something. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this gal, young mom, little kids having a meltdown and the background was joy to the world. <laughs> <laughs> the Savior's come. And I thought, how juxtaposed that is, you know? And we see that. We see angry people in parking lots and, you know, fighting for stuff. So I think there's a kind of an unwitting suppression that happens. But then there's also, you know, not just toward Christmas, there's a spiritual battle that is unwittingly uh, suppressing truth, period. You know, Romans 1 verse 18 talks about the wrath of God uh, being brought out on our world because of the wickedness uh, of people that have suppressed the truth by their wickedness. And, and it goes on and describes kind of how that suppression takes place by not acknowledging who God really is, uh, not giving Him thanks, worshiping the creation rather than the Creator. And I was thinking, so there's this, there's a spiritual battle that's also taking place. Uh, and so, yeah, so whether it's, you call it political correctness or not, you know, there's sort of like a, shh, you know, let's not talk about Jesus. Let's not talk about Christ. Let's call it happy holidays. Let's just kind of put it all down on this, you know, this human frame. So yeah, I think there's a suppression that happens. And for some of us, it happens too. People that love God kind of get swept into the season and forget really what we, we're, we're not loving the shadow. Mm -hmm. We're loving the Savior. I love that, that picture of shadow too, because as I was thinking through the uh, Isaiah 9 passage that you've based this series on, yeah. it comes with this beautiful contrast to Isaiah 8, this idea of yeah. a land of darkness. Even Isaiah 9 too talks about this land of darkness where there's yeah wickedness and war and strife and it's just this shadow has come over the entire world and then that christmas kind of idea for us a lot of times starts with that isaiah 9 2 that in this land of darkness this light has shown yeah. and this this beauty this simplicity of this illumination is coming mm -hmm. and we look forward to this one who will come and bring light into this dark place and yeah. so that context of darkness for christmas is really kind of what makes it Christmas too. That it's, you know, last year we did that Christmas chaos series. And, and the whole idea behind that was that Christmas is a time where light comes into darkness. And yeah. if Christmas was in the summer, I feel bad for people in Australia or something. Like Christmas is in the summer. <laughs> it doesn't feel the same. Like it feels like Christmas because yeah. the, it gets dark when you're on the way home from work. The lights are up. 
Like Christmas lights during the day don't look like anything, but right. the context of darkness, this light becomes this beautiful thing. Mm. And it's, I feel like sometimes even the, the seasons of the year, God uses to prepare us, mm. um, even for that concept that light is coming into the world. Amen. Amen. Speaking of that, why don't we take, uh, I'd like you to read the text. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's just kind of dive into that. And I know we got the house lights down, but so let's listen to what Danny reads here. This is going to be Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. And I want us to listen carefully. I want to pay attention to sort of the setting that Isaiah is telling us about this child that's going to be born. And then I'm going to have Danny kind of like help break us down, break it down for us a little bit. So, Perfect. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoiced when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Man, wow, now that's that's quite a text, and I know it might might be kind of fun for everyone just to kind of listen in. But let's have a little observation yeah. about what we see in this text. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What do you think as you see, sort of like as Isaiah is building into this uh, the argument of this light that's coming in the world? Uh, what do you observe in those first few verses that sort of set the context for this amazing uh, uh, son who is coming? Mm-hmm. I see. I mean, I see that contrast between the the Isaiah 8 and the Isaiah 9, and kind of the hinge of that uh, hits right there at verse 6 when the, to us the son is born. That's the passage that kind of sticks out to all of us because it's the beginning of the Christmas narrative for us in a lot of, a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I feel like reading through the first five verses of Isaiah 9, I'm just reminded over and over again of, of how bleak and desolate yeah. the season must have been that they yeah. were in. Yep. This idea, even the Every warrior's boot, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for the fire. Kind of that hinge of yep. you're coming home from battle. Like your feet have had these, you know, you've been in these trenches. Your garments are covered in the blood of your enemies and your friends and your comrades and all that. And, but it's time to burn those clothes because war is gone. Mm-hmm. And there's that beautiful hinge of there's one coming, a person coming. Not just yep. a season coming, yep. not just God's going to do a new thing, but a person is coming who's yep. going to turn the tides on that uh, forever. I think for us, you know, I wonder what it would feel like to be, you know, in the 8th century BC hearing these types of things because Jesus yeah. didn't come for you know, 700 yeah. years after this. But uh, there's that idea of there is one coming who will turn the tides on all of this. And I feel like, you know, I, I kind of get that mixed feeling of, yes, Jesus came. But then also, like we talked about before, but we still kind of are in this shadow time yeah. too. And so it's yeah. the, it hasn't it hasn't completely finished yeah. yet. Yeah, you know, and that's, uh, I observe that too. It, it's amazing when you look, when you read through those first uh, seven, six verses, five verses 
um, how it's all, it's speaking of a future event, but it's speaking like it's already happened. You know, on those living in the land of the darkness, the light has come. So it's like, and, and this is a beautiful thing, past tense to biblical writers is, is like, you know, Hebrews 11 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things what? Not seen. So the biblical writers are actually saying, Isaiah is saying, look, we're in this terrible season. We know that God's judgment is coming. Assyria is about to like pounce on Israel. And they, you know, and basically Isaiah is saying the very boots that trod the, the, the battlefields of what's about to take place in this land is going to be the very place where God sends his son, the light of the world, into this area. You know, the land of Naphtali, Zebulun, that's northern Israel, that's Galilee. That's where Jesus started his ministry. So you remember in the Gospels in Matthew 4, when Jesus is preaching, it says, Matthew says, this was to fulfill what the prophet said, that the light would come in the darkness, that out of the, the, the Galilee would come this beautiful news. So let's talk about what are the, dark, the darkness that we see in our day that sort of reminds us that the light has come and why we need to be, you know, messengers of the light. What, what's the darkness we see around us today? I was you know, I'm thinking what it, what it would feel like to be one of these people who gets, Assyria comes in, grabs these people, hooks them, takes them up to their land, and, and in the back of their mind they're thinking, and great light has come, a great light has come, that, that right. there's this truth simultaneously that we're in this, this dark season, but light is coming. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the we do that same kind of thing to ourselves. Like we mm. preach the gospel to ourselves when we see darkness in the world. You know, I think of mm. things that happen politically, internationally. This last yeah. year, I feel like there's been a yeah. lot of mm. conversations with different nations around the world. And mm. this little bit, of, I remember that season this year with North Korea and mm. everyone kind of thinking, wait, is this like the, is this the end? Is this how it right. ends? Are there nuclear wars right. starting? You know, and uh, we've got conversations last few weeks with, with, foreign powers in the Middle East and those kinds of things. And I think a lot of times we start thinking about this international politic and people making decisions that could affect all of us globally. Mm -hmm. And there's this, this, a bit of that gloom, that shadow that comes over. Mm -hmm. We think, what is, what's about yeah. to happen? And then we have to preach to ourselves that Jesus is coming, that, yeah. that God does have life under control. Um, and so, you know, the first thing I thought of was kind of that same context, kind of the international and foreign strife that exists. Yeah. What yeah. was in your mind even as you were preparing yeah. the sermon? Well, I was thinking too of just, yeah, the gl global geopolitical scene. But I think also, you know, just where we live, I think, you know, isn't it weird? Like, you know, the fires that have been just ra ravaging in our, in our state. And, and then, you know, we pop on the news and we see this big earthquake in, in Alaska. Just crazy stuff that's going on where you just think like, and, and then of course just the mayhem of crime and, and racism that's so prevalent in our culture. Uh, and you just go, wow, there's so much hurt. People are just literally, it feels like the world is just shaking right now. And I was thinking how beautiful it is that we, as we come into Advent, that we kind of, we set in motion this sense, this reminder that there is a light that has come. And we, you know, we've got this, it's not a secret, really, because the whole world has seen Jesus came, he, he lived on this planet but again, people have kind of fallen into this shadow experience, mm -hmm. and they're not really connecting with Jesus. So I, yeah, I just think of the, I think the, of the pain in people's lives. I think maybe some of us sitting here today, you know, uh, family relationships are broken or strained, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, financially we're just in rubble, or we've got, we've got a health issue, you know. And so I, whatever the darkness is in our lives, 
this is the beauty of this season that we're in, and this is the context of what Isaiah is telling us and telling the people of Israel, that there's a light, and in his mind, it's already come. Mm -hmm. And in our minds, we say, yeah, it's already come, but it's coming again, too. And we, have, we can live in this light, even though there's such a, such a crazy darkness. So these, these names become really powerful in that context. How do you feel like this list of names, as you've read through them and studied through them, how did those, the names themselves pierce through that darkness yeah. and give us kind of the plain meaning of, of Christmas in this season? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, um, I don't think it gets any plainer than seeing that, you know, notice in verse, uh, I love it in verse 6, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And right there you've got a really a beautiful picture of deity because a child is born but a son is given. So, so the son from eternity, Jesus, comes and he is actually born in this little manger scene, this little, you know, quaint thing that we see, but it was actually, you know, probably more likened to a, uh, a cave, a very rough place, animals, manure, you know, uh, not very sterile environment that Jesus comes into this world. But then these titles that Isaiah gives to us, wonderful counselor, and this word wonderful, you know, uh, is an interesting word. Uh, this first coupling, wonderful counselor, I want to talk about that today because every week during Advent, Danny, we're going to be looking at these titles and today we're looking at this wonderful counselor. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't know, I need a counselor in my life 24-7, you know. <laughs> you know, like I, I sometimes get into it with people and they, they talk to me about something and I'll say something like, well, you know, I need to talk to my counselor about this. And they're like, you go to a counselor? I go, yeah. I like, I've been in counseling almost my whole life. Say, <laughs> like, well, then I kind of pop the, you Say, so how, how good is your counselor? Yeah, yeah. He's a great, he's a wonderful counselor. He's <laughs> so, but, but it's interesting that Isaiah uses these words because the word wonderful here is not an adjective. It's not describing, it, in a way, he couples it with counselor, but he's not necessarily, and he's just a wonderful counselor. He's saying wonderful counselor. The word wonderful there is a, a hard word to translate in the Hebrew language. It, it means incomprehensible. It means uh, glorious, magnificent, without words to express. Um, and that's who, that's who Jesus is. He's too wonderful to even express. The first time we read this in the Bible, the word wonderful, this same word, first time it comes to us is in the story in Judges chapter 6 with Samson's father. And Samson's father is uh, visited by an angel who tells Samson's father that he's going to have a child. And Samson and his wife, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, Manoah and his wife are childless. And so the angel says, you know, you're going to have a child. And he says, tell me your name so that when this comes to pass, we can give honor and glory. And the angel of the Lord says, why do you ask my name seeing that it is wonderful? Judges 6.13. And so, wow, seeing that it is wonderful. And some Bible scholars believe that uh, the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ. So when you read in your Bibles that the angel of the Lord showed up, not just an angel, but the angel of the Lord showed up, that's a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ. And so it may be that Christ himself was talking to Manoah and saying, why do you ask my name knowing that it is wonderful? And here Isaiah says, wonderful counselor. I think that that's just amazing. Uh, when David describes how he was made in Psalm 139, he says, I am fearfully and what? Wonderful. Wonderfully made. Same word, exactly the same word. 
incomprehensible. So when I think about the Advent season, I think about the fact that many of us have kind of lost the wonder of the season. You know, we're, again, it's the shadow experience and not the real thing. And when you, when you connect with the real thing, it becomes like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. look at this. God has shown up. So what, when I think of, when you say the, we've lost the wonder of the season, I admit like immediately I think of, yes, like the lights and the twinkling and the hot chocolate. It's so wonderful. <laughs> I don't think that's what you're talking about. <laughs> what, what, is, what is Christmas as a, a wondrous season? Yeah. What is the wonder? I mean, I know the answer is Jesus, but yeah. what is it? That same kind of the whole package. What is that yeah. wonderfulness of the Christmas season? You know, uh, it's a great question, and I guess maybe I'm going to pitch it out to you guys. I'm going to say, you know, like, do you have that moment where, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year, where you are raptured away in a sense of the bigness and the grandeur of a God who loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you, and that steps outside of all the junk that's happening in our world and says, come to me. You know, Jesus said, Come to me, uh, those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I think sometimes, you know, we forget that, I don't know, I just, I, I, I get swallowed up in the enormity of God's plan and sovereignty, and I think, how small am I and how unworthy am I? And yet, like we sang this morning, I'm a child of God. He loves me, cares for me. So maybe it's for you, like, and I'm kind of walking around the, you know, the block here on this, but maybe it's like, you know, looking up in the stars and just being caught up with like the immensity. Have you ever just looked up on a big night where there's tons of stars and you go, wow, how far does that go? And you just kind of swept up in that. I remember once up in the mountains, I was with my daughter Katie and we had built a big bonfire and it was the most starry night I think I've ever seen in my life. Just so many stars and there were shooting stars and we just sat there sort of like in awe looking at this expanse. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying like bringing the wonder back into Christmas is like, are you gonna have those moments where you just see how big and awesome God is in your life? And how much he loves you and how much he's watched over you and protected you and brought you to a place where you've met him through Jesus, his son, you know, like God's son, Jesus. I don't know. I just, you know, that's the wonder I'm talking about. And I, 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 I would be a liar if I told you I'm in that, all, that zone all the time. I'm not. And that's the problem. You know, like, that's why we need Advent. We need this season where we just kind of like go find that. And it's not hard to find because we really just need to get our eyes back on what this is all about. And I like that image with the looking up in the stars. I feel like a lot of us have experienced that, the wonder in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us who follow Christ, those moments are times where we naturally start thinking about the immenseness of the nature of God, yeah. where it's hard to look at the stars and not next start thinking, wow, like mm-hmm. I am small in this universe, God, you are big, mm-hmm. and kind of almost even be ushered quickly into this season of prayer while you're looking up at the stars. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, the, the wonder of the Christmas season in terms of all the lights and the sounds and the trappings, if, if we can kind of cultivate in our hearts the same kind of rhythm there where mm-hmm. instead of feeling like all oh, this is a distraction from the real meaning of Christmas, mm-hmm. I wonder if we can kind of change and see the lights and get caught up in the wonder yeah. and use that as a link to say, wow, like, 
Jesus is coming into the world. They kind of use these, everything around us. The whole, it's almost like the whole community has set up all these little yeah. displays to remind us that Jesus is coming yeah. if we just embrace the fact that that's what these decorations are for. That's what these songs are for. That's what these moments with our family is for is to Amen. drive us to prayer, to remind us that. Uh, I was reading a Christmas devotional this morning that Pastor Bowes gave me and it started out with John the Baptist preparing the way for the Lord and, and the concept that came out in this Advent devotional was that when John the Baptist came on the scene, he wasn't Jesus, obviously, but there was the season that God ushered this, them into to prepare them to meet Jesus. And he said, that's what Advent is. Advent is this four or five weeks in a row that prepare us to encounter Jesus on Christmas. And really, I think we can kind of walk into the world this week and say, okay, God, you've set up all this beautiful Christmas trappings around us to prepare me to be mindful of you during this season. So every time we see the lights, every time we drink Amen. the hot chocolate, be driven back to the core of what Christmas Amen. is all about. Amen. Step out of the shadow and into the reality. I, like I, want to, I want to talk a little more about your counseling. Okay, please. Being a counselor, yeah. yeah. You want to lay down on that couch there? I would there? love to, yeah. yes. <laughs> right now. What's, you talk about Jesus being a wonderful counselor. I love, I was reading through your manuscript and you were talking about Jesus offers us counseling that no one else can. Where, where do you feel like we normally go when we need counsel, when we need advice? Um, if we don't normally go to the wonderful counselor, yeah. where do we get, where do you go when yeah. you're not thinking about getting yeah. it from the right spot? Yeah, I think so, so normally I think people don't go anywhere. I think most people say, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And that's why most people, even in trouble, don't seek counsel because they think they've got the better idea, right? So they don't go. So anyway, this was, there's a lot of pride involved in our lives. Um, but, but I think there's also this sense of... Um, you know, well, maybe my friends can tell me what I need to hear or, uh, or other, you know, trusted relationships in my life, my family and so forth. And those, are, those can all be very helpful things. But when I say, when the Bible says wonderful counselor, we go to the Lord because we know that he knows us intimately. We, he gives us the guidance we really need. And so um, it's practicing, it's, it's starting my day, you know, pra- personally from the first, you know, conscious moment of my day to say, Lord, okay, uh, you've got some stuff in store for me today. Help me to see it. Help me to see where you're at work and help me to, you know, lean into that. So when I come to a place where I need a decision made or someone's kind of, you know, asking me for something, right there I have a sense of receptivity. And so I'm saying, Lord, you know, what, what do you have in this for me? So it's like it's setting yourself in a rhythm where you're listening to God. So I just I throw out to people all the time, I say, do you just daily have a time where you read God's word and you pray? Just the spiritual disciplines of scripture reading and prayer can, will change your life. And in a crowd this size, I know that a lot of us hardly do either of those things. And this today is the day where you come and get spiritually filled. You know, you want to open the Bible, you want to read or hear someone talk about Scripture. But then through the week, there's very little going on in your life. You're busy, you work, all that stuff. And wonderful counselor means that there's a daily moment-by-moment presence with you that if you check in with Scripture and then you have this dialogue with him during the day, he's going to just walk you along. So, yeah. So I feel like I'm in counseling every day, all through the day. And is it like a... When you spend time in a day like that with the Lord, is it like he's prompting you, do this, do this, giving you answers and wisdom, or is it more like you have this deep understanding that your path is directed by God? Like how audible, I guess, is his voice (laughs) when he's counseling you in any given day? Yeah, wow. 
Well, I mean, this gets really personal, and which is great. I mean, that's why we're doing this. This is like, you know, kind of an unscripted, like, what's going on in our lives. Um, I, I think there are days where I just have no idea what God's doing. Like, I'm saying, Lord, I'm lost. I, I'm asking for this, but it looks like God's doing something over here, you know. And I'm thinking, but God, I think what you really want is this, but it seems to be going over this way, you know. <laughs> and so I realize I'm oftentimes, you know, kind of just inserting my own desires but the reality is God wants us to pray and seek his face not so that we just get answers all the time but so that we stay in a place of readiness to receive what he has for us in those moments Um, you know this transition by the way is a good example of that because for a couple of years I've been asking God you know is it time you know when is it time when is it that I should step away from the role that I'm playing as senior pastor and, and do something differently in our ministry. And, you know, and I was just asking God, there were times where I was just pouring my heart out because I was feeling a sense of urgency in this a little bit. Uh, you know, nobody pressing me, but kind of in my own spirit with a lot. And you've been listening to the podcast, you know a little bit of the backstory to this. But I feel like, you know, uh, there was just like crickets, like God saying nothing, you know. And I'm like, Lord, I know you can speak. So I'm reading God's word. I'm reading the pastoral epistles. I'm reading all these places where I'm asking God to speak. And I'm just not really hearing anything. But I'm still in a posture. I'm still listening, leaning in. And then one day, I'm riding my motorcycle through the mountains. And it had been on my heart. But it was just like this moment of clarity. It was just like God was speaking to me in my helmet. It was like, I don't. You have a little speaker in your helmet. I have a speaker in my helmet, yeah. (laughs) Then I realized it was Jim Beelig. And it wasn't God. No, it was. No, but seriously, it was like this moment of clarity where God just said, now is the time. Now, you know, he could have done that six months ago, and it really, in my mind, wouldn't have changed a lot of what's happened here. But see, God has reasons that we don't know about. You know, like God's preparing stuff behind the scenes that we don't see, just like here in Isaiah 9 where God's preparing his people for something way down the road, Mm -hmm. and he's giving them these little inserts, but he's not actually, Jesus hadn't come yet. It's going to be 800 years so, you know, some of you feel like, like me, you're hanging in the balance right now. God, what are you doing? Just hang in there because just stay in a posture of readiness because wonderful counselor knows what's best for you and he just wants your heart to be receptive. So when he does speak, when it is time, you hear his voice. And what's the, you know, you mentioned a lot of folks out there who never crack open a Bible, never connect with a God, God at this level through prayer. And then you mentioned two years of like crickets with God. In a sense, your experience was the same. Like you yeah. both had these seasons of not hearing from God. Some people have experiences not hearing from God because they're not trying to talk to him. Other people are trying to talk and not getting any answer. Right. How is the experience that you experienced different than the person who doesn't engage with God at all? Yeah. Because God said yeah. nothing to both people. Yeah. The difference is I know God's actually working. And, and it, okay, on that issue of transition, I wasn't hearing, but he, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of other things, you know, like that person needs prayer right now. You need to go and, you know, encourage them. Or you see someone out in public who's going through something and you're just prompted to like go share or could I pray for you? You know, um, someone was telling me they were in a place where there's a lot of sadness and they saw somebody weeping and they just went over and handed a Kleenex to them and said, Jesus loves you. And it was just like the little prompting of the spirit that, told that person to go do that. And so when, when I hear stuff like that, God, it reminds me, God's working in my life, but I'm not hearing him on everything that's going on, but I know he's working. And that's a beautiful thing to me. So what would you, 
Council a lot is kind of wrestling with this idea of Jesus being wonderful counselor. Maybe this is a new concept, or we want to renew this concept during the Christmas season. How do we, what, what can we do over the next 23 days to, to see God's work of renewal in our lives in this area of him being a, a, a counselor that is different and beautiful and Amen. inexplicable? I, you know, I would say a couple things. One, uh, if you don't have a daily discipline of scripture and, and prayer, and I'm not talking about an hour or even a half hour. It could be five minutes where you start your day with read a scripture, start in the, start in the birth narratives of the gospels with Jesus coming. That'd be a great place to start. Or if you wanted to hop on to Biola University's, uh, and you can get all this online, Biola University's uh, uh, Culture for Christianity and the Art. Uh, I think that's what it is. Anyway, or our own church daily Advent reading and meditation. You could do that and just start that way. Let this Advent season be a time where daily you're putting yourself before the Lord and you're getting a spirit of receptivity going in your life. And then what do you do for the rest of your day walking out of that? You've got your five minutes and then yeah. you'd be blessed. And then what? Yeah, uh, you know, just listen. Just stay in a listening mode, you know. Um, I mean, sometimes as Christians, we kind of think that, and sometimes you think as pastors, you know, that we're just in the Bible all day long. We're just reading and we're praying, you know. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's not really the truth. The truth is we should be in the Word of God and we should be in a posture of prayer. And th- as we go throughout our day, we're just listening. And, and God is just introducing us to opportunities that are around us. And you do that too at work, in your home, places at rest, recreation. What do you do when you find hours have gone by and you've totally haven't thought about God at all? How do you reconnect or hit the reset button you repent seriously no no you just uh (laughs) i I think you know that's just human you know like yeah i I go for uh oftentimes throughout the day there's these segments where i'm just like embroiled in something Mm -hmm. and it just it's hitting the reset button right and what does that what does the reset button look like Uh, i'm back god Uh, you know (laughs) it's like you put god on hold you just like hit the button (laughs) Sorry, I'm back. I was you on a speak call. again, Lord. Yeah, you know, it's like it just I, you know, we are so pro, like this, the hymn says, prone to wander. How I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love. I'm that way all the time. But so it's just hitting the reset. Lord, I'm back. I'm here. I'm attentive. I'm listening. Yeah, I know our time's almost up. I, you know, I want to just take a minute before we wrap this up today. And there's maybe somebody here that just has never come to that place of personal receptivity to the Lord. Um, you know, you might even be a religious person, but you don't have like a relationship. I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago who was so religious. Oh my goodness, I was, I was amazed. But the more I talked to them, I, I, I heard nothing of like intimacy. Like when you know someone intimately, it was all ritual and it was all external stuff. It was all rules. So if, if you today have never opened your heart to the one who is the wonderful counselor, the one who is magnificent, incomprehensible. He's right here, and he wants to come into your life. And you can write where you sit, right here. You can open your heart to Christ. And I want to pray a simple prayer that you could invite Jesus into your heart. And then today we're going to celebrate this wonderful counselor that he came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. We're going to partake of the elements of Christ's given body. What a beautiful thing on the first day of Advent to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to do that today. I'm going to have Pastor Danny pray for the time of, as we enter into communion. So uh, let's bow our heads and go to the Lord.